0: I am so frustrated with myself only because I double booked myself, but I can't be frustrated because I was just trying to do two of my favorite things in the entire world. A little Third Eye Blind for you on your Tuesday. Third Eye Blind is in Missoula Friday night, and I was so looking forward to this concert, and uh, I I was so joyful and so uh, filled with glee when the announcement was made I nice. bought four tickets right when the tickets went on sale. Didn't check my calendar or anything, and then I come to realize that the Montana Football Hall of Fame banquet is this weekend. So I will be doing that because that is something that I am obligated to as a member of the board of directors and the guy that heads up the bios there for the Hall of Fame. But also, it's just my favorite event of the year. So we got to keep that tradition rolling. Very excited to hang out with a great friend of this show, Nuana's now, Coach Marty. Marty Mordenweg and I are playing a little foursome on the. In, in the uh, golf tournament. So that'll be a, a fun uh, pairing. And uh, it's going to be an outstanding event. So if you want something, need something to do, Billings Hotel and Convention Center, Saturday night, the social starts at 5, the event starts at 6. It's the Who's Who, the biggest reunion in football in Montana. You will see any and everybody you can ever even think of when it comes to the uh, world of football in Montana. So if you'd like to join us, Tickets available on uh, all of the various Universal Athletic Service outlets throughout the state. You're listening to ESPN Radio, or maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. Coming up, the producer uh, of, the original producer of this show, as well as the developer of the ESPN Montana app, as well as, you know, a do-everything guy, Tommy Evans will join us here in about half an hour to talk all things Creed, but also... But all things going on at the Trail 103.3, so look forward to that. You missed anything in the first hour of this show. Fun first hour. Talked a little bit more about a high school all-star games from over the weekend. We also talked to Trisha Drobek from One Run Wild Missoula. The Missoula Marathon descends upon the Garden City this weekend. And we also had our Treasure State Stars. All of that can be found on the Nuana's Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as... The Advocates. A swung by uh, the University of Montana campus earlier today. A fun conversation. The overlay between business and sports presented by Blackfoot Communications. I should have made you bring your trophy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah, down yeah, here yeah. at Studio 49 with the recent winner, or at least one of the contributing members of the podcast of the year from the EB Craney Awards, Justin Angle. a Business Angle here on Nuances Now. But the podcast... Fire line. It's excellent. I got to admit to you, you have told me many times what it's about. We've talked about it a little sure. bit on the show, teased it out a little bit. I had only listened to the first episode and then I hadn't got into it again. Since, though the award was what i was like man i gotta just knock this out especially this this time of year so i'm a couple episodes in and man it is so good it's so interesting you guys did a phenomenal job but uh well congratulations to you as well sports broadcaster of the year how many years in a row is that Uh, two in a row for the the sportscaster of the year and uh, we're gonna go make sure to get the sports coverage of the year back you know that's the one we gotta Mm -hmm. have in my back pocket as a uh journalism school print major you know i need the the coverage and the uh, the news angle of this in the back pocket always but thank you and uh you know it's been a great collaboration great working with you but it's kind of cool to see what podcasts have become yeah Yeah. so i think a lot of us kind of started doing it just as you know a fun little way to um, a variety of reasons but a fun little extra content now the world has transformed into or i guess maybe even returned to being an audio world and uh Podcasts are as big as ever, but there's so many different podcasts like your Fireland podcast that are so important. I mean, they, they really can be a great way to hash out very important, deep subjects.
2: Yeah, I think it sort of speaks to the kind of opportunities existing across the media landscape right now. Like if you look at the streaming wars, uh, there are now scripts... And stories that are written to be, you know, limited series, released sure. over eight episodes of an hour to an hour and a half in length. And and the opportunities that's creating for creators, for writers, um, for actors, all of that is really interesting. And then when it comes to the podcast space and, and long-form storytelling, like podcasting enables you a level of intimacy and a level of kind of just canvas to play with when you're telling a story and um, you're not constrained by really anything other than you got to make something good to hold the listener's
0: attention. I just love it from sort of the the journalism perspective, like this fireline Pursuit in in partnership with Montana Public Radio was great journalism at the very beginning of the day. And I think sometimes for consumers, it's very daunting to pick up, you know, a a 20,000 word story in a newspaper or to read a book like a political book, you know, like All the President's Men. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very heavy book that's going to take you a very long time to read. But yeah. if you give the consumer a little bit different entry point, hey, you can listen to this for half an hour at a time and learn and maybe even do something else while you're listening or not, whatever. I just think that uh, it makes it more accessible for more people. And that's a that's probably one of the most important transitions for journalism is to make the masses be able to consume it in a convenient way.
2: Well, and, and I can tell you like, that was one of my ulterior motives to, to learn that form mm-hmm. of, of storytelling. You know, I do academic research, right, I teach, right. and it's very technical and precise and mm-hmm. formal. And you know, with this collaboration with Nick Mott and uh, Victor Yuve as my partners in Fireline, you know, they're trained journalists and, and really talented in this space. And they know how to use Characters and scene uh, to bring people into a complicated story. So it's a way to, as you said, make it more accessible and more fun for the audience. And then they
0: learn something along the way, which is sort of a nice outcome as well. Go check it out because I think the other thing that's so fun about certain types of podcasts, we podcast this show, Nuana's Now, every day. And you can certainly scroll through the archives and find a lot of stuff that you could listen to at any time that would be interesting. You could also find a lot of stuff that would be fun to in, to listen to, Retrospectively, depending on how things go, things that are pinned to the pertinent nature of whatever. But then a lot of it's just going to be old news. Whereas this Fireland podcast, this is something where the story that you guys told is is going to last forever. Like it's important. Anybody can listen to this at any time, even ten years from now. And what you reported on is going to remain true. And I think that that's the other thing. It kind of makes it resonate for a little bit longer. Well, I hope so. I hope it's evergreen to a
2: certain extent. It's not an issue that's gone away anytime soon. So. And I will say, just a plug for our, our, our sponsors, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, yeah. Mike, Mike Nugent, friend, yep. friend of the pod, yep. a friend of the show. Um, and then our friends at um, Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank and, and Montana, University of Montana College of Business and Montana Public Radio are big supporters of
0: the work. On this note that I wanted to ask you, we, we continue to talk about the evolution of media yep. and its pairing with sports, the way sports is covered, the way sports is broadcast, on uh, a variety of different angles to that. Podcasting now, though, has become so accessible for people themselves to actually produce. Mm -hmm. I remember when the Players' Tribune first came out, which is, for those unfamiliar, it's a website in which players can kind of chronicle their own stories. And I wondered to myself, man, is this the death of like the long-form sports feature? You know, the SL Price, Gary Smith, great sports illustrator that you wait for every week as a kid. And... The answer I initially thought was yes, and then I thought absolutely, actually not. It's just another sort of arm of content now. I would love to read an Allen Iverson Players Tribune, and I would also love to read S.L. Price's profile on Allen Iverson. Right. They're two different things, right? Exactly, exactly. I'm just wondering, though, what you think podcasting might do here, because we've seen a a rise in podcasts, particularly among athletes. Is this going to be sort of a similar dynamic?
2: You know, I, I I don't
0: know. I think it, it it is it's just another
2: access point. Yeah. So like you like take a look at Draymond Green's podcast during the mm-hmm. during the NBA playoffs and you know, some will say like, Why the hell is he doing that? How can he possibly have time for that? Right. Or why is he giving away strategy or you know, there's all sorts of hot takes on that, which sure. creates a whole another spin off kind of segment fodder for for you and your cohorts (laughs) in this enterprise, but it it also gives folks a level of direct access that they wouldn't otherwise have. So it's just more content. I mean, I, I think to a large degree, you know, the the ability of live sports to spin off all different types of content to, I mean, look at the ESPN business model. That's all they've done, right? Is like slice and dice every NFL game in so many different ways that they can fill an entire 24 hours with various iterations of that. Um, And podcasts just allow another way of looking at it. And I think that direct voice from the athlete and sort of the insider perspective is one that, you know, even those color commentators that are former players or former athletes, they give you some some insight into that world, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as somebody who's actually in the game at the moment.
0: And there, I think there's space for guys that are in the game in the moment and also people that are not in the game but are observing and reporting on the moment as well. So I, I do, I think it's just kind of, a broadening of the space. Yeah,
2: for sure. Like some of these guys are gifted and right. sort of getting the word out. Some of these guys are awful. Right, And if, right. And if, and if you have good management around you, the, that management's going to protect you and say, so mm-hmm. do not put yourself out there. Like put your, put a journalist or some PR agent between you and the listener or viewer. Sure. So we got everything in between there.
0: A business angle here on Nuana's now. Justin Angle joining us, coming to you from Studio 49 here at the Gallagher business building. I also find it so interesting when it comes to the, uh, particularly the NBA guys, they seem to consume new age media more than anybody. Like you see Draymond's talking about what other people are talking about, about him on his podcast all the time. Yeah, You see guys on Twitter shooting back at, reporters or fans or or anybody. I just think it's so interesting how much they consume. I, I'm not so sure that it's a completely new phenomenon because I do think that certain superstars back in the day probably used to read the newspaper. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Russell was reading the Boston Globe sure. all the time. But I, I do think it's so funny because we hear so many of these athletes talk about, oh, we don't listen to the noise. We block out the noise. And I do think actually the ones that do block out the noise, the best probably do have the most success. But then we've also seen guys like... Kevin Durant, because... Gosh, that guy. Right? I mean, Durant is all over Twitter. He's defending himself all the time. He makes himself look, in my opinion, not very great. But then I've heard him on the Bill Simmons podcast when he just did this six-part series that was so candid and so uh, vulnerable. Yeah. He was on David Letterman's show. and And he even says, like, I don't have handlers. I don't want handlers. I don't have anybody to tell me my PR. So it is sort of this double-edged sword there, too. I just think it's interesting that these guys, they consume a lot of the other content and then kind of turn it into their own content as well.
2: Yeah, and, and like, you know, the former age of media, there were players that did it really well and players that did it really yeah, cool right. And I just think we're sort of playing by a different set of rules now. And yep. Maybe it selects for a different... Um, different set of talents but you know the guys like kevin durant who knows what it would have been like before social media they would have found a way to get you know their word out but it, it probably would look and feel different
0: what's so interesting too when guys uh redefine themselves when they're so good mm-hmm. on camera as i mean people a lot of people of a certain age forget that a Rashad was a great wide receiver in the nfl <laughs> exactly they just think of him as the guy on the nba yep. you yep. know nba on nb on nbc or the guy who was best friends with michael jordan he was Minnesota Vikings standout wide receiver was far down the list for Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, like, amazing. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see who sort of takes that that next leap. I think JJ Reddick has a little bit of a, a inside track at it, which would be a fascinating analysis in itself as You know, probably the most hated college basketball player of the 21st century. If he was the guy that then won everybody over, it would be pretty interesting. It's like, what is it, that guy, Tim Legler? Like, nobody Uh knows that he used to play. Right, totally, absolutely. I mean, people know, but it's, yeah, it's not quite as salient anymore. Right, and and I also wonder on the flip side of this, what do you think of this from just like a branding and marketing standpoint? Some guys that are on as talking heads, they get away with not being polished broadcasters because of who they are. Yeah. Kendrick Perkins. Exactly. Charles Barkley's so funny, and so we're already to the point where a lot of people watching the NBA tonight on TNT don't remember Charles Barkley as a player. He'll remind you. And Shaq's also not a great example of what I'm getting at because it's undeniable that Shaq probably played something because you look at him and you're like, that guy was, you know, even if you didn't play anything, you could say, that guy can say whatever he wants because he's 7'2", 400 pounds. (laughs) But, But what do you think of that dynamic when... When guys are on the TV, like Kendrick Perkins is a great example. Once he's there's no memory of him as a player, will that fade? Is, is that something that they need to worry about from a marketing perspective? Yeah, I think probably, right? Like a
2: guy like Kendrick Perkins is not going to endure uh, in the same way a guy like Barkley will. Now Barkley right. operated on a different um, stratosphere as a player, right? Like he's a Hall of Famer. Kendrick Perkins, not a Hall of Famer. But but what Barkley has is this ability to connect and be entertaining Mm -hmm. and authentic in a way that, you know, I I think the shelf life for Barkley is much longer than a guy like Perkins. That's nothing necessarily against Perkins. I think he he certainly contributes what he does, but Mm -hmm. it, it... Barkley could be a standalone act and, For sure. and, and hold the room um, kind of in any venue because he's just so talented and compelling and charismatic in that way, whereas others, I think, uh, are limited either by the stature of their their playing career or just they're not as engaging
0: and interesting. is now ESPN Radio coming to you from Studio 49 d- down here on the University of Montana campus. Justin Engel joining me. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Speaking of of character building, I continue to just Ruminate and think about this evolution of golf. Yeah. And there's the whole discussion of the money in general, how much of an influence that's having on this now new stratification of professional golf. There's the discussion of where the money's coming from. But then there's also the discussion of this is happening. So then how do we analyze it with those two elements sort of removed from it? Like There is now half of the great guys in the world on one side and half on the yeah. other side. So I'm wondering, though, rather than debating the ethics of the money and the origin of the money, what about just the concept of this is kind of what it is and what will it become? Because I think that there's some great character building, some great rivalry building, some great hero and villain narratives that could come out of this if they were to sort of craft it in a proper way. Now, that said, how much of that is just contributing to the sports washing that this might be? I'm not sure. But it, it, sort of, it sort of seems like this is what it is, and I just wonder now, though, if character building and sort of uh, rivalries that are not fabricated by but created by the media and the discussion around this could actually be beneficial to the to the growing the game of golf. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: it's good for golf. In the macro sense, because right. there's just more people paying attention. we I mean, were talking about many, it all the time. I we, was talking
0: about the Canadian Open. We've never talked about that ever, but we were talking about it because it was the PGA event the same week that the first live event happened.
2: Exactly. So more, is, it's 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 dominating the conversation in a way it hasn't been. Now, how enduring will that be? I don't I don't know. Um, there is this sense, like in just in the, the sort of framing that you brought to this part of the conversation is that, yeah, let's move on from fixating on where the money comes from. Right. In many ways, that's exactly what the live tour wants you to do, right? They right. want you to not pay attention to that and think about the players and the events. And now they've got events coming out and they got players. So they've already sort of gotten over what I think is the most challenging hurdle um, because now they have, they're presenting something where viewers and, and fans can just forget about the uh, the fact that, yeah, there might be some unsavory elements to how it's funded, So that'll be kind of up to journalists, I think. Journalists can keep that in in, in the space. And I think, too, like what we're seeing with the athletes is also really interesting. We're seeing, you know, some athletes are, are, are probably just going after the money. Some athletes are probably trying to look at the live tours a way that they can tack on a few years of their career, or maybe the competition isn't quite as deep now. They could win something like being at the top of a list is better than being at the middle of a better list, if that makes sense. Right. And then there's, you know, there's, there's a range of ethics and you're seeing the players remaining on the PGA tour, kind of throwing stones at the players that have jumped ship over to live on a variety of different dimensions, whether it's competitive or whether it's ethical. Um, So how those dynamics play out, I think will contribute to some of those storyline building elements that you just mentioned.
0: From a pure business perspective, though, the PGA tour has had to react to this and the PGA tour initially it seemed like was doomed because they've been operating as a 501c3 for since 1974, so almost 50 years. So you never knew how they were going to be able to combat this, but they've come out today. They doubled the purse for all WPGA events for the next year. So this is benefiting women's golf yep. in a positive fashion. And they also have decided that they are going to revamp the purses of eight existing events that are sort of like the eight marquee non-majors. So I'm assuming like... The TPC at Sawgrass and maybe the Waste Management Open, some of the other big events, and they're making the purses bigger. They're following the live model, basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's making them step up to the plate, and this is kind of why, in the business world, competition is a good thing, right? Because it drives competition ahead. Yeah, in some ways.
2: I mean, it brings more money into the space. Right. Um, you know, then there's questions as to whether or not the, each organization can sustain that business model. Um, the costs are probably lower. They don't have as much infrastructure um, and they're able to transfer a lot of that cost over to sponsors. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how that plays out. It's definitely different than than team sports. And, you know, I think that, yeah, the, the PGA has enjoyed this sort of false monopoly right. in a way that, you know, some of the forces that, allow a monopoly to persist in team sports don't really exist in um in individual sports it's much easier for the athletes to flee mm-hmm. and you know the, the whole deal as a 501c3 kind of seems like it might not be in the true interest of what a nonprofit organization <laughs> should be right. and so yeah it'd be interesting to pull the books back on that and see kind of what's 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 actually happening
0: well the vast majority of the charitable donations that they've given have been um to growing youth golf, which, okay, that's fine. You know, I I hate arguing the, you know, the the levels of charitable donations. If it, nobody you. cares, right? right? Like no right.
2: viewer is going to say like, oh, I'm not watching the live tour because they don't donate as much money to youth golf. <laughs> right. No
0: athlete is going to decide between totally. the two tours based on that. That's just a PR move. Uh, absolutely. I, I just, uh, I wonder though, if they could have some sort of now, because the other main factor to cont- that to continue to remind people is that, Everybody in both tours can now still play in all the majors. Right. So now you have two different tours where guys can win more money on each side, and then they get together four times a year. And I just keep hearkening back to an analogy with like with like the WWF and the NWO. Yeah. And like you got the good guys and the bad guys over here. And I just feel like from a coverage perspective, they could play that up. And and again, that's probably what the money wants to happen. But it kind of is what it is, right? I mean, I I don't know how much any of us can do to change any of this. It's happening. So I'm just kind of taking the stance of I don't really know if I want to go down the road of of talking with our listeners all about where all this money comes from rather than just analyzing sort of the dynamics that now exist in this space with the heroes and the villains and what sort of storylines this could fabricate.
2: Yeah, I think what golf has going for it is this 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 reality that the four majors are distinct from either tour. Like when we saw IndyCar racing fracture in a similar way with like the CART tour and the IndyCar tour, it just sort of destroyed the Indianapolis 500 for a period of years because it wasn't the best drivers and the best cars. It was it was sort of a select group. Whereas these majors will will be allowed to persist in their current form with all the best players because they're set aside apart from these tours. Now, what would be interesting is if the Live Tour, because they have such deep pockets, makes a play to make these majors exclusive. And I I have no idea what the business sort of dynamics would be to pull that off. Mm -hmm. But. Invo- it would certainly involve writing a big check right. and they might have the, 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 the ability to do that. And that would really kind of
0: be a, 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 um, a pretty intense move in this, in this battle. The other, uh, the last business question uh, I got for you on this is the live has now had two events. They have been incredibly sparsely attended Yeah. They don't have any broadcasting priority. They showed it on the golf channel a little bit, but then cut away to the PGA event that was going each of the last two times. Okay. Um, and that said, though, I wonder what you think of that just from a marketing and promotion standpoint, because um, Darren Ravel had an interesting tweet this morning. He said, Don't let the empty crowds for the first two live golf events fool you. You guys are all talking about it and blowing up Twitter. So the live is winning and it doesn't matter if the crowds are empty right now. So that, that's sort of a basic startup philosophy, right? Get people oh, yeah. to talk about you as much as you can. And if you eat it at first, okay, we're gonna get it back to making that revenue back down the road. Yeah, I mean, the, the, sort of the,
2: the return to getting people talking about you is, is, is not guaranteed. Right? Like, yes, I agree with the premise that there is a startup mentality of put a bunch of money into growth and you can operate for a short period of time with costs that are higher than your revenues. Um, But eventually those two lines have to, well, if you're gonna be a business, Eventually, those two lines have to invert. Now, right. the lift tour—it's not clear that it actually has to be a business. That's exactly right. right. It could be just the hobby of some—that's right, that's right, know, that's Saudi right. prince. That's right. That's so, right. if, if the case in the case that it's a hobby, which it sort of appears to be, uh, or, or some whitewashing tour—I don't know what how you sure. were to frame it—but right. in the case that in, in the world where it doesn't have to be a business, yeah, attendance and ratings and none of that right. even matters totally. Uh, And then all this hype kind of works in the favor of the tour. And eventually, I think they'll just sort of suck in enough people. Um, So, yeah, I'm not worried. I mean, if I'm a fan of the Live Tour, if I'm rooting for them, which I don't know if I am or not, I'm I'm not, um, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not worried about that. Well,
0: it's the unfortunate truth of sports across the board. Most of the most well-budgeted, frugal baseball teams are also the most the teams that are at the bottom of the standings. Yeah. Like, the teams that are trying to maximize profits in comparison to revenue, they're probably not in the pennant race right now. Yeah. It's the same thing with when people talk about Division One football programs moving from the FCS to the FBS. I heard this from so many Grizz fans this last year. Montana went and played at James Madison, a beautiful stadium. A Friday night game, or I guess, a, was it a Friday night game? It was a Friday night game mm-hmm. under the lights mm-hmm. in Harrisonburg. The stadium was half full. Yep. There was, uh, and there was a couple thousand Grizz people there too, helping fill the half full stadium. Sure. And so I heard from Grizz people from all corners saying, Well, why are they moving up? We get three times as many fans as those guys. But it's the sad truth of, First of all, revenue comes from a variety of different areas, and ticket sales is the hardest place to make, or one of the hardest places to make revenue on. And also, though, when you're talking about budgeting and all that, and especially the pro sports level, paying the taxes, all that sort of stuff, most of the best teams aren't in it to make a profit. So that's exactly right. Because of where the money potentially is coming from, from this live tour they might sell zero tickets forever and that might not matter because that might I actually almost assure you that's not the end goal.
2: Yeah, uh, and that might that's probably true in this instance though to speak to the the, the diversity of rem, revenue sources and whether it's a business or not. I mean, I do think in professional team sports in the United States, you know, probably in soccer as well, we are seeing a, a little bit of a different interest in ownership. We're seeing more private equity, mm-hmm. more venture capital—not necessarily venture capital, but private equity groups coming into professional sports franchise ownership. And we talked about the valuation of the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks ago. You know, if the extent those valuations continue to go up, and there continues to be sort of subsidized, um, you know, failure prevention mechanisms. I think you're going to see more complex ownership of these franchises in a way that sort of dictates that it has to be a business more than just sort of the
0: hobby of a, of a, of a rich old white man. <laughs> Interesting. You want us now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, or maybe the new ESPN Montana app. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Engel joining us here on ESPN Radio. Uh, another thought I had, uh, our producer, Andrew, uh, is a big soccer guy yeah and so had a, he, andrew's also my roommate and so uh, a lot of soccer on the tv at my house and um i've never been opposed to soccer i've actually never been opposed to any sport i just only have a certain amount of brain space to be an expert on <laughs> you know uh, the sports that i've already you know consumed so much of my life mastering or, or following but I, I do find it so fun to watch soccer with somebody that is a soccer uh fanatic and have them teach you about it and you know, the more you know, the more I mean, the more you know about anything that you're going to spend time watching, the mm-hmm. more you're going to like it. The more you know the players, the stories, oh, yeah. the strategies, all that stuff. But I keep thinking to myself the what seems like impossible hill to climb that American soccer teams have. Because I feel like soccer is gaining a lot of popularity in America. I do think that from all levels, from from the youth level all the way through the professional level, I also think that there's a variety of Americans that are watching soccer all the time. I just think that so many of those Americans are not watching American soccer. And so you wonder if it was just a a moment in time that just sort of passed. Like, if streaming on smart TVs would have existed 20 years ago or 15 years ago or whatever, could the MLS have then taken, when, when it was first in its origination, taken that space? But now... As soccer gains popularity, it seems like most people are just going on their Roku apps and watching the European Premier League or watching La Liga because you can watch all of them now, either live or on demand. So I just wonder how does American MLS teams, like American men's pro soccer, for example, how does it get a space at the table when most soccer purists would tell you, hey, yeah, I love soccer. I'm going to watch Barcelona versus Real Madrid because it's way better than Seattle Sounders versus the Portland Timbers.
2: Yeah, I, I think that for MLS to do that, they have to take a page out of the live tour. Right? Like, United States and the right. MLS has to be a place where the best players in the league, right. when they're the best at when craft... When they're the best, right.
0: Because they tried this once with David Beckham exactly. when the LA Galaxy... It was
2: past his prime, and everybody was past knew his it. Prime. And it
0: was certainly exciting to get a player of that caliber here. And they had to Clint, Clint Dempsey was a guy that looked like he might be the MLS star, yeah. but then he had... He went to the EPL, so he kind of left the, the, the sphere of American soccer. So we need
2: either either for, like, the MLS team to, like, go into the Champions League or whatever the European champion... Is it UEFA? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The League of Leagues over there. And As perform. we're recording this on Tuesday, I'm sure that Andrew, is, while we're playing this on the show, is screaming all the right answers to us. Oh, yeah. Like I got the, I got, I'm terrible with acronyms and, um,
2: and whatever. But, yeah, we either need to, like... Have, have an American team go right. compete internationally and yeah, really yeah. change the narrative internationally and be like, oh yeah, maybe we should go over there. Maybe that's where the best competition is sure. or the MLS teams just need to buy the best talent and bring right. it here. And you know that's that would probably um, require an owner or an ownership group that doesn't need to operate it as a business, right. at least not yeah. immediately, has a lot of cash and a lot of runway to get it off the ground. Well, yeah, that's that's the only way it's going to go, and then culturally, we're at a disadvantage. Even if, for sure. even even if it's as it's gaining resonance. I mean, look at uh, Premier League. I mean, these are clubs that have been in these towns for
0: hundreds of years. Oh, and, for and, real, for and, like longer and, than America has been a country. Exactly. <laughs> and so yeah, th-
2: those sorts of bonds and deep cultural ties right. are hard to. Uh, hard to emulate we sort of have a little bit of that in our sports um with some of the more historic franchises uh, and that I think allows some of those franchises to endure hard times um but yeah we don't have anything in soccer that approximates that
0: well the one the other factor I thought could really thrust American professional soccer so I'm mainly talking men's because I do think that women um the United States women's team was one of the Biggest stars in the world oh, yeah. when it comes to female sports, mm-hmm. and I think the women's league in America has a much higher standing on the sort of hierarchy of, of football around the globe. Absolutely, but I think that the one other factor that could really push American soccer in the stratosphere is if there was one or a handful of American players. Yes, that sort of took it forward. I mean, you could name the the premier Americans on one hand, really, that are like brand name recognition. And none of those guys are even close to Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi or, you know, Pele or any of the great players. Yeah, yeah, and that I mean, this is like we could spend, we
2: could launch a whole new radio show on this topic. (laughs) But I think soccer to me, and I'll go on a soapbox here, but it is an example of the worst of our youth sports culture here in the United States. Interesting. It's, It's built on a system of... Of exclusivity right. at the at the at the top of the funnel. At the top of the funnel, you should be trying to get as many kids totally. into the system as possible. And we've created a system where they're trying to get as few kids because nobody can afford it and it's such a time commitment. Right. And so it's exclusive right from the start. And you and have to commit, you have to commit so much yeah, time, right? To, I mean, you on you to your par- life
0: away. Parents are saying, we're going to commit to this when our kid is like seven, Yeah, and if eight? you
2: don't, you're missed the boat and right. you're never going to have a chance of playing in high school or college. And so, you, right. yeah, anyway, like that's a whole nother talk show. <laughs> right, totally. But, but yeah, we got some problems with with how we bring kids right. into sports here that, it, that I think is part of the problem with soccer. Like we, we, we've invested all this into the youth soccer industrial complex, and our national team is no better than it was
0: 25 years ago. Well, it's it's the uh, the the dark irony is is sad too, because football is the biggest sport on the globe because the entry point is the easiest, right? All you need to do is find something round and kick it up and down the field, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? I mean, that's why it is played all over the world because right. you don't need. Anything. I Mm -hmm. mean, you just need to set up two posts and uh, then kick something through it. That's it. And so it is sort of unfortunate that uh, that the entry point and and youth sports in general uh, has had such a struggle. If we just had a LeBron James of the soccer world, that that could that could change this, or you know, a a prodigy like that. But I don't know where that's going to come from. Yeah, that's a unicorn. Right, for sure. And and I also wonder, like, how much does other sports take away from that, too, right? I mean, how often does America's best athletes do a variety of other things besides soccer? We'll see. Very interesting. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, baseball and hockey as well, but I think we're out of time. So we'll save those uh, for the next time Justin is on. Justin Angle, a business angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications, recording down at the University of Montana Business School. We do this a couple times a month. You can always find it during the 5 o'clock hour here on Tuesdays, a business angle and overlay between business and sports. Thanks, man. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Sportsbet Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. I'm gonna give you a great compliment to start this off. Please do. I am worth all of them. <laughs> the, the track we just heard and that artist Sam Fender. Yeah. You showed me him and he yeah re, he like reminds me of you like that's you know, <laughs> right. so, You know, like some like artists remind you of people you know, like Rage Against the Machine and Pod. Or just sure. Ryan, Ryan Tuttle for life, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I get that. Turn the beat around, that song you play, what's it, or the <laughs> song you play for Regime <laughs> all the time on Fridays. Uh, uh, give It To Me Baby yeah, is th- the Give It To Me Baby, Mary Jane by Rick James. There's a couple Regime songs for sure, Yeah, but Sam Fender is Tommy Evans.
3: That's a great compliment because I love Sam's music, Coulter.
0: New Otis Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a phenomenal Tuesday. Tommy Evans in studio with me here on your radio, on your TV, and your new ESPN Montana app as well. This guy's the one that uh, developed and made the app. So uh, make sure you get it in your life. Great way to follow along this show live and archived. So, uh, one of the funniest parts about Tommy is I see him every day. We work together every day. I have a question for you before
3: I, you get into Okay. Us. And Andrew can back me up. I mean, maybe he has some kind of opinion. I've, I really feel like anything from the Gladys Knight catalog reminds me of you. <laughs> and I know that might seem a little out there, but I'm telling you, man, you and Gladys, man, you're real. You got the big heart. She got the heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> the, and you're speaking truth. The
0: best part about this you know? is, you know, I don't know who Gladys Knight reminds me of. Who? Ryan Tootel's mother. See? <laughs> <laughs> we All had, these loving we, people. We had Gladys Knight and the Pips leaving on a midnight train to Georgia yeah. as one of our bumper songs for the duration of my time doing yeah. Tootel new Orleans. Yeah, I put that in there. And every time it was always a shout out to Mrs. Tootel, you know, That's right. or That's or shout right. out to Mama Toutel, So, Well, once again, shout out to Mama Tootel. <laughs> the, uh, the funniest part, though, about working with Tommy is that although... Uh, Nothing here at Missoula Broadcasting Company could happen without his engineering. Yeah, that's right. He also, like, grew up in the 2000s and uh, is, like, 10 years younger than everybody else that works I am a baby. So anything that happened in the late 90s is uh, when Tommy sees it, it's the first time, and it's, like, revelatory for him. So he had his whole smash mouth reveal a couple (laughs) weeks ago. Dude,
3: blew my mind. I mean, (laughs) one of the first words I remember learning and asking about was impeachment. Because my <laughs> my memories from the mid-90s When I was like developing cognitive skills sure. Was just impeached, 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 oh, impeached, impeached. Oh, Bill impeached Bill Clinton
0: impeached, Bill Clinton impeached And then I got older and I understood what was going on. Unbelievable. One of my definitive memories of my childhood was actually when the whole Clinton scandal was going on. We're not going to get into the details of that. But I was a. a (laughs) Why not? I mean, I was a pretty inquisitive, annoying, and information seeking person. Was? Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I was exactly like this since I was like five. So I definitively remember asking my parents when I was probably, I don't know, 10 you know, all of the questions uh, of what's yeah, going I see. on. I see, and all I right. Knew, I knew the answers. I was basically just testing to see if they were lying to me or not, even uh, though okay. I knew. I just wanted to see if mom would so actually. So mischievous, Colter. So uh, th- this is all to say that the other day I get a text from Tommy and you said, I can't remember what the opening text was. It was something like. I said, stop everything. Stop everything. And then you said, you never told me about the harness and the rope. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) The harness and the rope for what? And you're like, he's flying around like an angel in a cowboy's jersey. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, I found the halftime show from Thanksgiving 2001 when your favorite stupid band Creed was flying around like trapeze artists. And this is a full circle because I have been in a uh, passionate argument about how Creed's debut album is a very good album, and then Creed became garbage, and I don't argue that. And Ryan and Tommy have proclaiming to the world by playing <laughs> Arms Wide Open with every return of the 5 o'clock hour for years yeah. that I'm a big uh, Creed guy. I'm not. Yeah. I just like a part of their catalog. This is a hilarious return of this argument, though, because... Uh, objectively, it's a nauseating performance, but this is so funny. What are you talking that, about? Why? Why did you even find this?
3: Okay, so I was scrolling TikTok because I'm a big TikToker now. <laughs> if you See, didn't know this... evidence of Tommy being uh, <laughs> 15 years older than everybody else Wait, that works make here. Make no qualms. I have no place being on uh, TikTok, but uh, I am. But you should go follow me for great viral content <laughs> at on-air Tommy. And so here's the deal. I'm going through, and there are all these people doing music reviews and talking about great moments in music and saying why MTV's... Was always going to suck There's some pretty interesting uh, Perspectives on there Mm. And then There's this video Of this guy And and, and he's like The greatest power stance In all of rock And it goes back To this Creed performance Right Then this dude's like Majestic wings out You know Flying around Yeah and I'm going What is this Turns out it's Creed playing this thing. And I'm like, oh, now I get it. Coulter isn't <laughs> that much of a blabbering buffoon after all because this is actually sweet. Like, I had no idea that they were doing this kind of stuff because, like you're saying, all I've heard on classic rock radio yeah, growing right. up right. in the mid to late 90s is, wide open. So, that's all it is, man. I had no idea they were flying around, you know, doing all this, like, early acrobatic stuff, you know. So, And we have all these discussions about great halftime performance. Great music, yeah, great yeah. music. Yeah, how yeah. music entertains yeah, yeah. with sports, and it's always like this halftime performance, that's that that performance. Where is the debate, and where is the top <laughs> ten list including this? Because it absolutely needs to be in the
0: top ten list. <laughs> we swung Tommy on the side of the Creed. We kind of love it, Tommy Evans. On you on are manipulative, man. <laughs> Look what you've pulled off. Here. Oh my gosh, Noah is now ESPN Radio. Uh, it is. It's so funny too because well, the, this you, you mentioned music videos and yeah. then the TikTok and all that. The way that the the music industry, though, has evolved, like the history of rock and roll is the history of pop culture. And by and large, it's so much of a history of America, too. Like there's this new Elvis movie coming out. Oh, really? It's like 20 years too late, though, because like the formative generation that worshipped Elvis is gone. And now most young people... Think Elvis is just you know a fabrication of our imaginations, Dude, or that Elvis is still alive. You got to join TikTok. There is a huge resurgence okay. of Elvis love. Yeah. I love it. But you, you know you got the Elvis in the fifties and the Beatles in the sixties, and then you know the the record age and the stadium rock in the seventies, the music videos of yeah, the eighties, sure. The nineties is kind of split into two, but the phenomenon of the late nineties and the early two thousands, which is. So well encompassed by Creed <laughs> it is it is one that I. It was a moment in time in music. I don't know if it will ever exist again or or uh, why it was such a phenomenon then. But it was like rock band, huge album, huge second album, then became nauseatingly overexposed. Mm. And then we decided we
3: hated them. Is it because the brink of like the internet and Napster and freeware was a
0: part of that time? I think that's part of it. But I also think that that bands had a hard time not becoming parodies of themselves or they found what was the thing that made them the most popular and then just did that shtick. That's why Creed's fascinating. Their first album is all about Scott Stapp, their lead singer, getting clean from a heroin addiction. Wow. But there's all sorts of religious imagery in it. Okay. Because he was literally seeing God as he's going through withdrawals and whatnot. Woof, their band is named Creed. so <laughs> then the, the the Christian right pinned on to Creed. and all of a sudden, they had the number one album in the country on the Christian rock charts.
3: It's one thing to listen to Creed. It's another one to actually actively know about. Well,
0: them. But then so that's interesting. So then they realized though, wow, we have the the religious right completely on our side. Yeah. We're gonna just cut an album where it actually is all about God. And then that's where the second album came from, and that's why they became like a mockery of themselves, because they pretended to be something that they're not.
3: Okay, so I have a theory about you. Okay. (laughs) Because one of our sister stations, good friend, you work on the station. Sure. And I'm wondering if you work on it more than what the public knows. Okay. 105.9 Jack FM. That's right. The whole slogan is, I'm playing what I want. That's right. We don't take requests. That's right. You know what they play? All this weird crap that you're into, man. Creed. (laughs) You know, Nickelback is on there. We should talk about Nickelback. You know, all the 80s stuff. <laughs> Are you the Jack? I might be the Jack. You could be the Jack I could, FM I could person.
0: be the Jack. Speaking of our sister stations, Nuana's now ESPN Radio. We're up against it. But So suddenly you stick to the clock when I come <laughs> in Are tra- you kidding me? <laughs> I'm just trying to knock it as fine. Uh, Tommy, though, is a lot of things around here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. But he also... As the new show rolling from 6 to 7 every Tuesday, and he's also back on the trail in the evening. So I am. When this show gets done, if you feel so inclined to stick around for the Missoula Paddleheads, great. And if you're so inclined to change the channel... Go one notch up, 103.3, the trail, Montana's Quality Rock. Yeah. What's cooking at the trail right now?
3: I've got so much cool stuff on the show starting here in about nine minutes' time, so uh, I guess we do need to wrap this up. Uh, But I've got 14 songs today uh, from all over the United States and beyond, some really cool local music. And then also on the trail this entire week, if you're a Ween fan, you've got to listen to 103.3 because we're doing a week of Ween and taking uh, registrations every day to give away concert tickets to Ween uh, you're a trombone shorty fan, too, right, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow on Win Wednesday on the evening show, 103.3 from 6 to 9, I'm giving away some tickets to the trombone shorty show. But I won't give away all the things, Coulter, but we have a lot of concert tickets. So if you want to get out to some shows, dial into 103, and uh, we'll make sure that your seat is far away from Coulters. <laughs> Gotta love it.
0: Tomorrow's now ESPN Radio. What's going on the rest of the week? We'll let you know. Keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Is now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. One of the great tracks, gotta love it. <laughs> it's such a nice compliment too. I'm Gladys Knight and the Pips, according to Tommy. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here. Thanks for following along. Noah is now ESPN Radio. Hope you're having a phenomenal Tuesday. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Miss anything in today's show? Fun show. Give you a little recruiting evaluation. Incoming Bobcats. Incoming Grizzlies particularly the ones that we just watched play at the 75th annual East-West Shrine game. We also had Trisha Drobek in studio from Run Wild Missoula, the Missoula Marathon back in town. Give you our Treasure State stars, had eight of them, so you can catch up with all of the best individual performances from around the state of Montana. Justin Angle, a business angle, the overlay between business and sports. We talked some uh, podcasting, some Players' Tribune, some Live Golf Tour, and some... United States soccer on the international level. And then our great friend Tommy Evans stopped in to talk about Creed's infamous halftime show, Thanksgiving 2001, Cowboy Stadium, or well, I guess as, as well as uh, previewing his new show, which gets underway here in just a couple minutes. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Rajim Seabrook in studio. Drew Klump, our senior spotlight, continues with the Missoula Sentinel standout. Graduate who's head of the Grizzlies for football and Austin Green, NBA Draft Insider on our ESPN Roundtable. We'll see you then at 4 p.m. This has been Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate.